0: However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programmes, and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times, with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college, and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. We are looking at the cross. And the cross, of course is the center of the entire gospel. What was an emblem and symbol of a gruesome form of execution has now become the symbol also of redemption. In fact, it is Paul the Apostle's favorite sermon topic, Christ crucified. To the Jews, a crucified Messiah is a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, particularly the Greeks, the notion of a crucified king and savior is foolishness. But to those who are saved, and that's the term he uses, Christ crucified means the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is why every one of the four Gospels gives great detail consistently about the crucifixion. There are differences of which events it conveys, but all of them unanimously focus on the death of Jesus, burial of Jesus, resurrection of Jesus. Because these three things constitute the gospel in a nutshell. Just read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15. And because of the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ, our sins are forgiven, We can be born again to a living hope. We have the gift of eternal life. And we are set free, not just from condemnation and guilt, but even from the sin-dominated self-life. We can do, as Jesus told the adulterous woman who was forgiven, go and sin no more. Our lesson is called To the Cross. It's based on John chapter 19, verses 12 to 22. I'd like to read a few verses from this passage, just wet our appetite for the full lesson. So it's based on John 19, and let's look at verse 16 and onward. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull which is in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Friends, this was the crime whereby Jesus was crucified. He wasn't crucified for murder, fraud, or any kind of other heinous crime, he was crucified for being the king of the Jews. In other words, the Messiah, the son of David, the one that's supposed to sit on David's throne. Can you imagine having received prophecies throughout the centuries that the Jewish people are told, here is your Messiah, and now instead of being, as it were, welcomed in his coronation he is instead being crucified on the cross and remember in addition to the fact that what are we supposed to do with the dead Messiah he died the kind of death that is cursed according to Deuteronomy cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree no wonder they stumbled at the stumbling stone but remember the same Hebrew prophets that spoke about the coming son of David also spoke of a suffering Messiah. And, of course, you can read this in Psalm 22, or in Isaiah 53, or in Daniel chapter 9, where it actually says in those verses 24 to 27 that Messiah is coming, and he will be cut off, but not for himself. Now I'm going to read to you the entire portion of John 19, verses 12 to 22. Our lesson is called, To the Cross, and again the reference is John 19, verses 12 to 22. This, friends, is the word of God. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabatha, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus, and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of The Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Our reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 12 to 22. Our lesson is called, To the Cross. Well, welcome to the single most important event of the entire Gospel of John, indeed, all the Gospels, the New Testament, and the Bible itself, the centerpiece. For the Gospel of John has shown us a portrait of Jesus Christ that is up close and as personal as can possibly be. As we enter into this particular lesson called To the Cross, we come to the centerpiece of everything, the three Gospels, the Gospel narrative, and so on. That event is the substitutionary, atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Here we go from Pilate's judgment seat to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, known in Latin as Calvary. In this verse, Pilate, having been informed that those who handed Jesus over to him were were guilty of a greater sin, caused the normally stoic Roman governor to become afraid. So from that moment, he sought to find a way to release Jesus without causing a riot, which by now was a very impossible task, since the enemies of Jesus had whipped up an angry crowd. Friends, just remember that only a few days before, Jesus was welcomed rapturously, To Jerusalem by the Palm Sunday crowds. Very possibly many of them were from Galilee coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. Maybe some were native Jerusalemites, we don't know. But just remember, in essence, Jerusalem welcomed Jesus, and within a week, he was crucified. Remember that interesting phrase that a week is a long time in politics? Well, of course, our Savior is beyond politics. But it shows you the transient and fickleness of human nature. One moment they like you, another moment they hate you. And we've seen this again and again in history, as well as seeing it right here in the Gospel story. So these people, this crowd, and their chief priests, and their leaders, actually painted Pontius Pilate into a corner. And they said, and they were very, very manipulative, If you let Jesus go, you're no friend of Caesar. Now, since when did the Jewish elite ever care about Caesar? Since when did they care about a robber and seditionist like Barabbas? Since when? Only when it came to destroying Jesus, they were throwing everything at him, including the kitchen sink. So where Caesar and Barabbas only were invoked because they were useful to the cause of bringing down the Holy Son of God. They reasoned that anyone who claims to be a king is in competition with Caesar, which technically speaking would be sedition. Now, we go to the pavement of John 19, verse 13. After hearing their compelling argument, Jesus was brought to the pavement. Gabbatha in Hebrew, also known as Lithostratos. And this means it was a raised or elevated place, very appropriate location for a public judgment against a prisoner. But remember something. This was the preparation for the Passover. Verse 14. It was time for the Passover Passover. And they were preparing accordingly, which, of course, is a busy time for everybody. So in the midst of this busy preparatory time for the Passover, then on top of everything else, the high priest mob wanted to squeeze in an impromptu crucifixion. And they were doing a good job of twisting Pilate's arm for that said purpose. For reasons that are not clear, in the midst of all this busyness Pilate then takes Jesus with a crown of thorns, bloodstains, purple robe, and worn-out countenance, and says, Behold your king. Now, that was a very provocative thing to do, considering he knew what they already thought of him. But in John 19.15, here is a classic version of total rejection. Hate-filled total rejection. And remember, these people were not normal, worldly, carnal people. These were religious people, the elite of the Jerusalem crowd that, of course, had fought against Jesus tooth and nail from almost virtually the beginning. They said, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate says, Shall I crucify your king? Now, listen to this note of apostasy. Coming from the leadership here, because listen to what they said We have no king but Caesar. Since when did the chief priests willingly embrace Caesar as their only king? And especially since Caesar was heathen, uncircumcised, ungodly. Well, the reason is they had already rejected the king God had sent to them from heaven. So, I guess in this case, Caesar was good enough for them. What a terrible decision. They embraced Barabbas, they embraced Caesar, but they rejected Jesus. So, because of all that, he was delivered to death, John 19, verse 16. Having received the chief priest's statement of allegiance to Caesar, Pilate delivered Jesus to be crucified, and so they led him away. Talk about injustice! What was his crime? Basically, his crime was the chief priests hated him. The crowd bade for his blood. Pilate didn't want a riot, so out of shall we say unusual expedience, the Roman governor just passed this problem on to the cross, the place of the skull. John nineteen seventeen. The pace is now moving swiftly. Because the text tells us, and he bearing his cross. Now, those of you who know your Bibles might ask the question, what happened to Simon of Cyrene, mentioned in Matthew, Mark and Luke, who carried the cross of Jesus? Well, friends, there is no contradiction. Jesus did carry his cross, but he only did it part of the way. Simon did the rest. John makes it clear that he cannot give every detail of everything that ever happened in Jesus's earthly life because the world itself would not be big enough for the book that would be written. That's in John 21, verse 25. The cross of Jesus was carried to the place of a skull, which is called Golgotha. Please note, it's a place of a skull. It's not necessarily a hill far away it was not necessarily even at the top of the hill. All we know is that it looked like a skull. And in John 19, verse 18, we have the three crosses. Here Jesus was crucified, and his cross was the middle of three crosses. That means there were two thieves, or two, shall we say it, uh, lawbreakers, one on his left and one on his right. And then we have the crucifixion itself. Apparently, my sources tell me that crucifixion was invented by the Persians, but it was, quote-unquote, perfected by the Romans. And it is considered so horrific that you normally wouldn't even discuss a crucifixion in polite company. It was viewed as something you would only do to an unworthy slave. It was, was of interest that in the 1960s, in an archaeological excavation, there were found the remains of a crucified man in the Jerusalem area. He would have been a contemporary of the time of Jesus. In other words, first century A.D. He was nailed to the cross in a sitting position with both legs pointed in the same direction. The nail went on the side of both feet near the heel. The stretched-out arms were pierced in the forearm, not in the hand. The bottom rested on a protrusion to prevent the flesh from tearing while taking some of the weight of the body. Crucifixion was long and agonizing, and death came from one or more of several means, either heart failure, loss of blood, loss of hydration, difficulty in breathing, or just simply wearing away. Amazingly, the faithful woman at the cross saw some of the things in action while the male disciples of Jesus for the most part were nowhere to be found. And then in John 19:19, 19, 19, there's a sign above the cross. A pilot of his own accord wrote the superscription detailing the crime that Jesus committed. This is Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. It was in three languages, verse 20, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, and could be read by anybody, and there were plenty of people around, that basically everyone could know why Jesus was crucified if they didn't know Hebrew. But the chief priests protest, not content that they were now crucifying Jesus, they're pounding their chests because of the wording that Pilate put above the cross. And they basically demanded that Pilate change the wording to write, he said, I am king of the Jews. But for once, Pilate held fast. He didn't think a riot would happen over this. And he says in John 19.22, though he capitulated to the mob and he's toughening up now, and he dismisses the chief priest with the statement, what I have written, I have written. Ironically, Rome was Unconsciously, inadvertently affirming what the Jewish leadership had rejected. That Jesus of Nazareth was and is the King of the Jews, the Son of David, the Messiah, who will sit on David's throne. Now our lesson is called To the Cross. And our lesson for life is what a painful miscarriage of justice for Jesus became the centerpiece of good news to the world. Christ crucified is the power and wisdom of God.